Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A documentary as dramatic and ambiguous and multilayered as any fiction film you'll see, A River Below, examines the efforts of two conservationists in the Amazon to bring about change by using the national media, only to discover the consequences of their actions come with a high price. A River Below provides an eye-opening look into what what happens when passion and opinion, Trump reason and morality. The crux of the story questions the truth in images and the manipulation to get the public's attention and who ultimately pays the price for someone else's passion. This is a really terrific documentary, a wonderful film that causes many of us, myself included, to kind of take a step back from what we assume to be correct about the world we live in, about people who are concerned about the environment and why and how, and all different kinds of questions pop up along the way. And along with them, we have the guidance and the sure-handedness of our director friend here, Mark Grieco, who uh, directed A River Below. Mark, thank you uh, for being here on Film School. Um, My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Actually, welcome to Film School, I should have said. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, this is just so, uh, in some ways, so unnerving of a documentary, although watching it, it's easy to see the the logic and the sort of... um, uh, the destiny of these people when you watch your film there's there's nothing that feels forced or out of place here so it, once you get into the into the mode uh, with the film it's uh it's quite a ride but it's also one that seems in some ways inevitable is that uh, i think i'm what do you think is that fair am i being fair to you, the, the film i mean uh yeah <laughs> I, that's a great way uh, a great description i think <clears throat> um to me, when I started the film, nothing really was inevitable. Right. And the, the way it kind of plays out in the film is a pretty good approximation of how I really experienced the making of the film mm-hmm. as the, the director of it. And uh, so in that, in that way, you know, when we started making the film, we really just started with that one, our one principal character, the Colombian biologist, Who's just out in the you know in the Amazon? He spent thirty years there studying this animal, uh, the pink dolphin, and now he's gathering the data and and writing the research about this animal being uh, killed nearly to extinction. But then what we discovered later was completely unexpected. Yeah, and you know I'm rethinking the word inevitable, and that's probably a little bit because. I go in. I came into the film with some assumptions, and what? And as it starts out, as you describe, with the biologists, we're we're who are getting to know. I, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a pink dolphin. I didn't realize oh, so many things. I'm learning along the way, uh, and and then things begin to turn. And again, I think it's safe to say that the, the two primary people in the film, Richard. Uh, Rasmussen, and the the biologist's name I just escapes me. I'm so sorry. Um, Fernando. Fernando. They're everything with all the best of intentions. These are honorable people trying to do honorable things, in my estimation. But 
So anyway, look, maybe we need to ba- take a step back and sort of describe exactly. So the, you've got the biologist who's who's doing his best to preserve the lives of the pink dolphin who are disappearing at an alarming rate, right? Right. So <clears throat> we start off with, you know, kind of the consummate scientist. And he's the one out there, you know, really the expert in the field. Uh, he's got, you know, the most experience in in the Amazon studying this animal. And he's been screaming from the rooftop for 15 years that, you know, this is happening. Please pay attention. I can show you the information. I can show you the data. I can show you um, all the evidence that you need to realize that this animal is on the brink of extinction. We need to do something. And no one's paying attention. And so our next character that we introduce is Richard Rasmussen, who is a reality TV star in Brazil, uh, enormously famous in the country. He has a Nat Geo show called The Wild World with Richard Rasmussen. Uh, he's kind of the Steve Irwin character. Right. Um, but he's also a, a devout activist, animal activist, and he also has a similar goal as Richard, and that is to save this animal. But he knows that... Um, People like Fernando, the scientist, they're just not getting the attention that they deserve. And that's because they publish their research in scientific journals. It gets into newspapers. Uh, it's data. People just don't pay attention to that. So Richard, being a really media-savvy and charismatic, charismatic character, he knows the power of television. So what he does is he says, I know how to get people to, to pay attention to this. I know how we can change the law, and that is we need to show that the dolphin is being killed. And so <clears throat> he is able to capture really gruesome footage of three dolphins being killed to be used as bait for this scavenger catfish. And it, it is uh, shown on Brazil's most popular TV show, Prime Time, on a Sunday night. And overnight, the law changes. There's just this groundswell of indignation in the country that changes the law immediately, puts into place this moratorium on that catfish, and effectively saves the species, the dolphin species. And so, in many ways, he's a hero of activism. He did an incredible thing. And, you know, his, uh, his motivations are noble. But then we, we start digging into how this video was, was made, what, what happened you know, outside of the frame of that production, and that's where the film really starts to turn in on itself. Right, right. And we'll, let's, yeah, I want people to go see uh, River Below, so I'm going to kind of leave it there because it does take a lot of very interesting twists and turns. But it is, it, again, it's sort of a, the... Uh, the situation we find ourselves in the world where these kinds of things are happening all the time, where people who are doing the right thing, it's almost what I when I looked at your film, when I was as I was watching your film, I'm trying to figure out, well, where where could this be better? How could we avoid getting to the point where uh, things go so far off the rails? And it's hard not to see the, a lack of any sort of institutional engagement the government either doesn't care or is complicit or is compromised by corruption that to me in many ways feels like 
where where we're at with with what and, and and I don't think it's specific to Brazil. I do think that this is something of a microcosm for much of what is going on around the world. Is well, I would completely agree. I think that you know even one of our main characters, Fernando, in his frustrate in one of the heights of his frustration that we capture in the film, he's saying, "Look." The issue here really isn't the dolphin at all. The, the dolphin is just a casualty of the, this market that's kind of been created around this catfish and around the fishing industry in the Amazon. It's out of control. We're overfishing the Amazon. And he, he, you know, he makes a demand to the government. He says, where are the institutions? Where are the people that are, are going to make the policy and and control the, this situation and try to enforce certain policy that's going to protect the, the, these ecosystems. And I think that's only, I think that that is a fair estimation of the problem, but I also feel like it's a bit lazy mm. uh, because in a democratic institution, really the government are our representatives, and they will only move uh, and go up against maybe special interests when there is that groundswell, when there is popular support for change. And I think in some ways this film, you know, I, I've been really fortunate, I think, that this film can speak as an analogy to so many other problems that we are experiencing in the world. Yeah. And Richard is a good representation of kind of the, the indictment against our own apathy to do anything in the face of serious issues that will eventually affect all of us. Yeah. You know, this, is, this, this film isn't just really about the dolphins in the Amazon and overfishing and ecosystem destruction and kind of species extinction and conservation activism. It's really speaking to problems that we're experiencing now, especially probably the, the largest problem that humanity faces and may ever face, and that is global warming and, and, and along with it the mass extinction of species absolutely we're experiencing right now the sixth largest mass extinction in the history of the planet and many of the biologists out there and the researchers are saying that this is caused by human action yeah. uh, and that's why it's being called the Anthropocene era the Anthropocene extinction because it's caused by us uh, in many ways. And so when you have someone like, it, you know, this is why we have these two characters in the film, because Fernando really represents the people who are out there telling us what's going on in the world, and here is the evidence, and yet we don't listen. And so in reaction to that apathy, I think you get a character like Richard Rasmussen, who has similar goals. Those are noble goals. He wants to save this animal. I really respect Richard's uh, dedication to this, but it's a it's a radical approach, and so there's going to be fallout, right? To this kind of quick uh, and radical types of solutions, and uh, and then that's what we explore because yeah. I think. You know, largely we have to understand that a more holistic and measured approach to solving these problems is probably the best answer. And it, and 
And by the way, we're speaking with uh, Mark Grieco. He is the director of the new film, A River Below. It opens here in Los Angeles at the Music Hall Theater in Beverly Hills, Long Wilshire Boulevard there. And you're there tonight, Friday night, uh, um, November 3rd, for the 7.30 screening, as well as, I believe, tomorrow night, Saturday night, uh, November 4th, for a Q&A screening. Is that and, That's right. And, yeah, I'll be there this weekend. And, and you're you're so right. I mean, you're right that this does shine a, a, a light on a lot of other issues here in this country. We are decertifying agencies. Uh, we're stripping them of their scientific uh, expertise in the EPA and other agencies in this country. We're sh- we're we're at a time when we should be more focused on what these experts in the field are telling us. We're running away from them. We're we're we we're delegitimizing them in in the in the most influential country in the world, and that is unspeakably horrible. And 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 this approach of Richard Rasmussen, like you said, with all the best of intentions, he seems like a good guy. He seems like he's doing wants to do the right thing, but his methodology of of shining a light on this particular issue doesn't leave any sort of again going back to this idea of this institutional response there's no way there's there's is it's difficult for most people to express their desires at yelling at a television screen or maybe calling the station but there's no there aren't the sort of political ramifications there aren't the political uh, momentum and so it becomes then a, a, a he said she said by a government who's either apathetic or 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 complicit, it's hard. And, you know, I'm trying to say there's the, these we're, our levers of influence influencing our world around us are becoming increasingly more remote. And and I that's part of what I see in this film is that we're just not. People may know about it, but there's they don't know what they're going to do to change it, because our institutions feel like they're failing. I think uh, the institutions are becoming less and less representative of the the population's um, desires and motivations as a whole, and their will to change. They're responding more and more to influence, and and really, I think in some way, not to just simply take kind of an optimistic view on this. I think it's more a realistic view. Uh, because cynicism, to me, is uh, it's really erosive. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it erodes yeah. kind of any hope <laughs> for change. Yeah. Although I am, uh, you know, I am very cynical of all these institutions. But I think a realistic perspective is that this is kind of their last grasp at power as things all around us are radically changing. Yeah, I think and. Yeah. And I think that that's what it is, and that's what's really frustrating people. It frustrates somebody like Richard. It frustrates somebody like Fernando in our film. Yes. And that's why they take these kind of radical actions, because they, they, these institutions no longer represent our, our will. And they're kind of responding to special interests. Yeah. And, and those special interests are really kind of, they're the ones kind of in the last grasp power because things are just kind of really changing yeah. even our identities as nations our identities as cultures all these things are starting to 
blend together. And so it's, it's kind of a, kind of a birth pang of a new, a new, a new world. And I think that, um, unfortunately during that transition, we're going to see a, a lot of frustration. We're going to see, um, a lot of division and, and, it, you know, that's unfortunate because there's a lot of problems that need to be solved right now. And to be able to solve those problems, there needs to be collective agencies working together, a collective will to change these things for the better. And in that way, I think that I, I really want my, you know, the film to challenge people. I want audiences to come to this film thinking, oh, well, you know, this is, this is another eco-documentary about a poor species that's disappearing. Um, and really, at the end of the film, I hope that I tie a knot and really start to tighten it inside each audience member's mind about how they kind of perceive these ethical dilemmas and work their way through it. Right. And I think that that, right. that debate really needs to start inside of each and every person's mind for us to try to have an interesting conversation about the best way to go forward. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely what you're right. You're right about what you said and the the corrosive influence of it's it, it, at some point what what these people who are doing some of these terrible things want us to do is to throw our hands up and not do anything about it, but identifying it. As you said, you've shown a light on this and it, it along with it all of the ramifications, all of the different variables involved in what we're talking about. And that is the first step, understanding something. And then now you start to understand a way out. And you're right. There are different – we're reforming communities. We're reforming uh, our identities. And um, you're right. This, to me, is uh, – I couldn't agree more. You know, the fossil fuel industry – is still very, very influential and very much a part of all of our lives. But it's it's going to die. It's going to die off or it's going to be diminished to a point where it's not having the impact it's going to ha- – it's been having on our environment because it has to. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of inevitabilities, that's the most inevitable. Yeah. I mean, just simply the supply of fossil fuels is going to end. It's a – it's not a renewable resource. Right. So it has an inevitable end to it. Now, how do we reach that end? And right. what is the discussion going to be like? Right. What is the world that we can imagine? I mean, really, the, the amazing thing about the fossil fuel industry is that it's created this, this world in which we live in. Right. Um, but we need also to understand that that should be the, the, the engine that drives us to a transition out of it out of that dependency on the fossil fuels. And, you know, I'm only really going down this road because (laughs) my film isn't about fossil fuels, but I think it's about human action and this systemic destruction that we've created um, in ecosystems, in the environments. We're seeing this destruction happening to uh, so many incredible species on this planet. And uh, and I think the only way out of systemic destruction is systemic repair. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and uh, and the film uh, again. There's so much more to the film that I want the viewer to experience. But one of them has to do with the villagers. Uh, you know, people who are left with nothing else to do but to do something that, at the end of the day, is not going to be sustainable. But it's the way they survive, and that's another part of this ecological nightmare that we find ourselves in right now. Is that people are doing the things to survive that aren't necessarily going to keep the planet viable and this is another part of it so uh and it's something that needs to be addressed yeah i you know one the town that we discover that had a you know played a major role in in helping in making this video of this brutal dolphin footage we finally discover who was behind it and what we discover is a very poor village that was dependent on this new economy that had just kind of been born out of this new economy for this catfish, which no one eats in the Amazon. It's a scavenger. It's really a disgusting fish. Um, but they, there was a new market born out of this, and the dolphin was the bait. Yeah. And really, the, the market was created because everything else has been overfished. Yeah. So this little tiny community on a bank of one of the Amazonian tributaries, it, which takes several days to get to, you know, for us as the film crew, it was incredible to try to find this place. So remote, you know, this community, by all intents and purposes, a generation ago, was by definition sustainable. Yeah. Because they just fished on that little bank of the river and was able to get out the protein they needed each day, and that's all they took. And then all that started to disappear. The Amazon is just being fished out. And so new markets kind of emerge, and they have never—they were never traditionally part of a market economy. They just fished, and you know they were outside of it. They were off the grid. Yeah. And as soon as they were kind of voluntarily or involuntarily drawn into the marketplace, now they become dependent upon it. Right. And so when these laws are passed, typically the first group that's going to be affected by such kind of radical laws to protect these animal species are going to be these poor populations. There's so much here. There is just so much. The, the film has been widely praised. Uh, A River Below is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is, it is an outstanding film, and it's one that you will not leave this theater not thinking about and not wanting to talk with other people about it. And I can't imagine that the word of mouth in your film is not going to be outstanding because, um, again, I went into it with a certain mindset of what it was going to be about, and you take us on a journey that is truly uh, um, one of education, enlightenment, and at the end of the day, we now have some perspective on how to move forward. Well, yeah, we we hope that the film really gets uh, gets seen this week in our theatrical release. Um, we're really struggling to get distribution and get the film out there, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope everyone comes to see it. I'll be there this weekend, and I'd love to you know talk more with with everyone that comes. We've always had incredible conversations after the film. Oh, I bet. So uh, I bet. Yeah, please spread the word. Well, we will. Uh, Mark Greco, the director of the film A River Below. Opening to today at the Lemley Music Hall Theater in Beverly Hills, right there on Wilshire Boulevard. Go see it and have a conversation with Mark and others about just what this film is about and, and what it means for all of us. Thank you so much, Mark. 
Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.